0: never actually preached in five and a half years of ministry <laughs> with a microphone like this. So we're going to see how this goes. Test all my skills that I learned in five and a half years. So we are in a series called The King and the Kingdom. And I felt that I wanted to, and to engage this sort of series and these sorts of themes because of all that is going on. And all that we are aware of, whether we acknowledge it or not. The pandemic that's squeezing life out of us, the racial justice movement happening in our country, and the swells of violence that are mingled in, as well as the the palpable fear and hatred being shared across political lines as we move closer to voting. And I felt compelled to take up this in a time of worship to remind us what kind of leader that God is and and what God invites us into and I think a lot of the themes of what uh, God invites us into was represented well in Lucas's prayer this morning and just a point of, of clarity and vulnerability and honesty I um, I had this thought and awareness that came to me that That over the the past five and a half years, I've felt like a son (laughs) or a child in this community because of the fact that I, you know, uh, was mainly the age of your sons and daughters. Or I was younger, you know, 25 years than the time you've been retired for. Um, And that encouraged me to grow and to have this safe space in which to experience the the risks and the pitfalls of ministry. But as tensions have grown in our country and world, I can un- honestly say that I've felt this parent-like care for all of you. And you might think it's a little bit crazy, or maybe you can identify with it, but there are, there are times in which I, I kind of stay awake thinking about how you all are doing. Worrying about your spiritual life, how much sleep you are losing. I worry about the, the secret habits that you've taken up in your lives that are that are destroying you or making you really unhealthy, but you don't know how to stop. I really, really, really care for all of you. You call me pastor, and, and that word in so many different languages means shepherd. And I want to to care for you as a shepherd as somebody who's there to console you and and also challenge as well and so this series is is growing out of that commitment that responsibility venturing into hard sometimes uncomfortable topics so that we can wrestle it out with God in conversations and sermons and scriptures but I want to put this caveat on on all of this that I am still trying to work all this out personally as well. I'm a pastor, a leader, but I'm also trying to, to put it all together and find out what it looks like to really be faithful to Jesus. And I believe that while following him will lead to something more satisfying that we could, that we could find on our own by choosing another path or leader to follow. But that doesn't mean I get it right all the time. That doesn't mean I don't fail. I don't have dry seasons or struggle to follow. Nor is that the same for any leader in the church. And it's especially hard right now to follow because there's all these things competing for our attention. And worst of all, the the narratives and the voices that are out there are, are hard to trust. Or at least I feel it. I try to stay active and involved and up-to-date with things going on and current events. So I read the New York Times and, and Fox News, the Wor- Wall Street Journal and NPR, or sometimes screw the scroll through the filth of Facebook. <laughs> and I guess the point in saying this is that while I try to stay informed and engaged, I realize I'm not beyond... The manipulation of people putting out this message, preying on our fears, having agendas to sell more news or get our votes. Neither are you. Neither is any of us. And I think it's important to recognize that, that while we try to follow the voice of Jesus, there are all these other competing voices trying to captivate us. And I don't know what to do with that except to just recognize it and be honest and real about it. And to, to name the fact that, that we can hide in Jesus, as that song said, cornerstone. And because he's a shelter, there is no manipulative agenda, no coercion, no way of forcing anything on us. Always inviting us toward a choice. Always wanting to comfort us amidst any distress that we're feeling. To challenge us when our opinions have become so hard and rigid that they're, they're creating hollowness and rigidity in the rest of our lives. Christ wants to help us find a life worth living and to find that that in considering the needs of others, we can truly find that. And so I wanted to say all of that so so I'm on record of what this series is about and what my aim is. For us to have the space to process God's word and God's heart held out in front of us when we read scripture and reflect on it. So I hope that my preaching and sharing message helps to comfort you, helps to challenge you, and helps you make you love Jesus more. With that, we will dive into scripture. The passage for today is a passage about the people of Israel, God's own people who God claimed. It's about those people rejecting God. It's in 1 Samuel 8, and uh, just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, we've, we've covered a little bit of the narrative arc of scripture, so we went you know, a little bit into Genesis, learning about how God, God is this incredible, gracious, wonderful creator. We studied Exodus for a little bit, and how God reveals God's self to be this mighty redeemer of those who are oppressed and those who are lowly, bringing them out from under King Pharaoh, through the Red Sea, into freedom. And up on a mountain, God said, I will be your God. I will be the king of your lives, of your heart, of your community, and you will be my own. God gave them a law to follow for their lives and sent them on their way to a, to a promised land that was filled with milk and honey, a wonderful image of prosperity, and goodness, But the way forward was rough. For 40 years, they wandered around aimlessly in a barren place. Twelve tribes with 70 different leaders and Moses trying to discern what their king, God, wanted for their lives. And even when they made it into the promised land and settled in there, trouble found them as well. For years, they warred with other nations and even experienced problems with, from within. They were a nation constantly losing sight of God. When they lost sight, God would raise up leaders called Judges. There's a whole book called Judges. And, and these people, while they had these incredible qualities to save God's people and redeem them and bring them back, they were also horrible, horrible individuals. Think about Samson. You might know Samson, that great strong man, right, who had this incredible might an ability to save people, but who went down in a a blaze of fire because of his own vain glory and his inability to control his temper. Again, again, there is this theme that keeps coming up in this book, and it's this. Everyone did what was right in his or her own eyes, and there was no king. Kind of striking that that we might think oh man right now in our lives there's so much going on but in every stage of history and even accounted for in our good book there was so much going on so much horrible things even for god's people so first samuel is a story about israel getting a king and a leader to help guide them there's a, a leader that the book's named after samuel who's born Born of this lowly woman who couldn't have a child for many years, but God finally gave it to her and she named him Samuel, dedicating him to serve God. And he was a great leader, one that was well-respected and near to the heart of God, but his sons took bribes and perverted justice and were just nasty people. So this story that we're about to read, I'm about to read here, is about that moment in Israel's history when they clamored for a king. So let's read that. 1 Samuel 8. As Samuel grew old, he appointed sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court positions in Beersheba. But they were not like their father. For they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, the leaders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told Samuel, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king like that of all the other nations. Samuel was very upset with their request and went to the Lord for advice. Do as they say, the Lord replied. For it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them up from Egypt, they have continually forsaken me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask. But solemnly warn them, Samuel, about how a king will treat them. So Samuel passed on God's warning. This is how a king will treat you. The king will draft your sons into his army and make them run before his chariots. Some will become commanders of his troops, while others will be slave laborers. Some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops while others will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own servants. He will take a tenth of your harvest and distribute it among the officers and attendants. He will want your male and female slaves and demand the finest of cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. And when that day comes, you will beg for relief from the king that you are right now demanding. But the Lord will not help you. people refused to listen to samuel's warning even so we still want a king they said we want to be like the nations around us our king will govern us and lead us into battle so samuel told the lord what the people said and the lord replied do as they say and give them a king so samuel agreed and sent the people home holy binder clips that help with sermonizing Israel was always intended to be unique among the nations amongst all other people groups for them and their leaders to discern what the heart and will of God was for them and their 12 tribes that made up their nation but they wanted to be like every other other nation Every other nation had a king, and this king was essentially the mouthpiece. Whatever the king said, it was believed that it was God speaking through this specific individual. And we, as, as 21st century people, know the pitfalls of the monarchy and have seen it and might snicker at this. In the passage we read, there is a veneer of sadness represented by Samuel when he talks to Israel about the fact that they are rejecting their one true king. And perhaps as a parent, you know this experience, you know this feeling when the child doesn't want you anymore. It's, it cuts deep to be pushed away by a loved one. And yet I want to say that it kind of makes sense for Israel, right? Like there wasn't any hope because they had seen how so many horrible judges had been raised up that didn't get them very far in helping them to discern God's heart. And Samuel's own sons weren't very helpful as well. So it makes sense that Israel wanted a change in leadership. I wanted to choose this specific passage because it's complex, as our lives are, and because there is a warning in it for us a warning about our hearts, about losing our hearts to political powers of this world. But I think scripture also offers a way forward through his son. But first, the warning. Recall with me that that which Samuel said, warning the people that the king will take sons and daughters and make them into servants. And that cringeworthy last line, you will be the king's slaves. And the day will come when you cry out, but don't expect God to answer. And it came true, there was such a cost to every king Israel had. Saul was this cool, tall drink of water, but he had a rage to him and a defiance against God. King David was a man after God's own heart, but eventually his own heart was led astray and his family tore itself apart. Solomon was wise, but for all his wisdom, he could not be dissuaded of the the greed that he had within himself. Every king after this moment in Samuel is a tyrant. Every king failed. Samuel was right. And it came at the cost of leading many hearts away from God. And there's a lesson here for us about any leader, any political party, any structure of this world. That leaders are human and can do good things, but they can also fail us. Every leader, every party, every governmental structure misuses or fails us, some more than others. And I think the the thing that I was thinking about is a message in this to guard our hearts from this sort of reality. Maybe, because I know I've needed it. I've needed a good friend to ask, how is your heart in this season? Are you losing it to rage and anxiety right now? Or are you losing it because you're finding ways to become numb to the realities around you? And don't get me wrong, it's important to have convictions, to have values and to fight for good causes that are happening. But there is important times to take a step back and take stock of where we are as well. Because we can go too far off the deep end in anxiety or anger or bitterness or we can retreat from our own lives. This is the warning But for as much as Samuel was right, he was also wrong when he said, God will not answer you. He would have been right in the immediate. But while Israel's call for a king came from below, God redeemed kingship from above. God redeemed kingship from above. When the true king came, humble, from a nowhere town, from a refugee family from a dad who was a tradesman he spoke a vision of a better way of a better kingdom of a better rule blessed are the poor jesus said with crowds gathering around blessed are the broken the hurting the lowly the afflicted those who want justice to roll down like mighty's waters and who actually fight for it blessed are all those people for they know god's heart and god is near To them. This king fed the hungry, healed the hurting, welcomed the stranger and the lonely. He taught with great authority and silenced people who had power. Jesus is that king, that leader that Israel truly longed for, that we in the deepest parts of ourselves long for. he has brought a kingdom that is here, that is here, but not fully yet. And that's the complexity, that's the struggle, that's the tension that we live in. And the question that I want us to ask, because there are so many questions, so many answers we could take time to have right now, but I want to ask, are you giving your heart to this king? Because again, what can happen if we clamor for rulers like Israel did in this passage, we can run into dangers. We can lose ourselves in activity or become disenchanted. And I don't want you to experience those things. I want you to be aware of what's going on inside of you and to guard your heart from giving it fully away to this world. So for those who, who maybe are struggling right now and thinking that this November is everything, and don't get me wrong, it is important. It is deeply important. And we need to be active and engaged. But if we think this is everything, then we might be losing our own hearts. There is uh, a practice That Jesus took up when he realized the world and the leadership of Israel was going astray in a direction that was so frustrating for him. He stood outside this city, up on a hill, looked toward it, and wept. Israel, Israel, how long I have desired to gather you like, like a hen gathers chicks in the fold of my arms. To love you and care for you, but you have gone astray. And he wept. How does lament, how does expressing this sadness in prayer, in weeping, help us to channel those parts of ourselves that are truly feeling a righteous anger that is in alignment with God's heart? How does lament help prevent us from going too far off the deep end? I think lament can help our hearts to hold on to a hope that that one day God's kingdom will come. That there will be a new rule, a new world that we will experience and know fully, where justice will roll down and every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Guard your hearts and do not give them fully over to any person or party in this world, but only to the King who will care for you. But also I want to speak to those who are ambivalent, who have closed off your heart because it's just too much right now. Jesus has brought a kingdom that, has, that will come one day. But when Jesus walked into the cross, he didn't just walk to the cross, eyes fixed, dissuaded from helping anybody else. But he stopped to heal, to feed, to care. To have our eyes too firmly fixed on the future, on the by and by, is to miss the point of the gospel I believe, in a really unfortunate way. It's about being passionately present right now. So don't lose your heart to apathy or indifference. Don't lose your heart to not feeling because you are created for feeling and being truly alive. To place your heart in sharing the love of God that can truly mean something, as you were saying last week, through small acts of loving kindness every single day. Take, I pray that you take time to, to just put yourself in front of God, to examine your heart and allow God's spirit to fill you this day and the days ahead, so you can remain passionately present for the things of God's kingdom that Christ has already brought, but hopeful that there will be a day soon when Christ redeems everything. Let's pray. Lord our God, between the words that I have said and the words that have been heard, I pray and ask that your spirit would be powerfully present in every way that we need it right now personally, as a community of faith, as a community here in Gilderland, as a country. As citizens of a global society, be powerfully present this day day and always. Amen.